Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Ambid Mion. Today I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And before we jump into today's topic, I just kind of wanted to give a quick update. Last episode, we predicted that E3 would be canceled uh, within a week or so, and I gotta say we were kind of spot on. E3, along with pretty much any other event under the sun, has been canceled due to coronavirus. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, it's kind of trippy. I don't really want to spend another week talking about it, but yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it was like the very next day, too, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was pretty, very close. Yeah. yeah scary it it may have been canceled before we put the episode up. Spoiler, we record these like a week in advance. Yeah. <laughs> but on a slightly brighter note, uh, what I want to talk about today is our top five hardest games we've personally completed and I was thinking we could do this in a similar format to our previous ranking episode, the one where we ranked the top five games of the decade. And especially because we often talk about, like, difficulty in gaming on this podcast, I feel like it'd be it'd be a good list for us to go through. So who wants to start off? I'll start off, if that's all right with you guys. Sure. Uh, I th- you're going to notice the theme in mine. There's a lot of platformers on there, but I think I'm going to open up with uh, Super Meat Boy. Oh geez, yeah. Some oh, a lot gee, of people yeah. call that the the hardest game ever. Straight up, it's I don't know about that, but it's incredibly difficult. I, I you see, I don't want to call it the hardest game ever because I did beat it, and I don't consider myself a good enough gamer to beat the hardest game ever. See, but, but that's the thing, though. I think with a lot of these games, especially if they're not like competitively focused, I think enough time and effort. Yeah, like, that's anyone the thing. can beat these games. I think it's just that's a matter of like, about, putting in the time and the learning curve and all of that. That's the thing about this list. Like, um, Super Meat Boy doesn't seem hard to me looking back because like you don't remember losing a billion times. You just remember finally beating it and that euphoria you feel. So, right. that, and I feel like if I went back now, like I could breeze through most of it because I just you know had to get good. But yeah, it's a Super Meat Boy for the uh, uninitiated. I feel like we should probably do that. Um, it's a game where you... It's basically like the simplest platformer you can imagine. You play as a little guy called Meat Boy, and he's trying to save his girlfriend, Bandage Girl, from Dr. Fetus. Then you just jump through these like buzzsaw-infested levels, and it's just really, really intense, hard platforming. But the levels are fairly short, and usually you know, you die you know, a couple hundred times a level and then get to the next one. Yeah, yeah, I dabbled with it a little bit on Vita, and it was not long before I just noped out of it because I don't know. I can handle like difficulty in combat and you know shooters and stuff like that, but platforming for some reason platforming just gets to me. And we've talked yeah. about like Hollow Knight's like Path of Pain before, and I just could not do it. Like I banged my head against that thing for a good chunk of time, and I was just getting way too frustrated. I, and I think I think my entire list might be platformers. Spoiler alert! Just because like I don't know, I'm really drawn to difficulty in that genre. Like there's so many yeah. platformers, and I feel like when somebody's trying to make a crushingly hard game, it's gonna be either a Souls-like or a platformer. Yeah, that does seem to be like the the main paradigm for difficulty nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I can go next, I guess. So. Like Connor, mine also follows a certain theme, but my list is probably a lot more predictable than Connor's and much less exciting. Uh, my first game is Bloodborne. Now, I wanted to put Dark Souls on this list, but I didn't. Um, because Dark Souls, while being extremely difficult, especially for being the first of what it was, I definitely think that in a vacuum, Dark Souls was one of the easier Souls games. And Bloodborne, especially for me, I think the reason it was so difficult was because it took away Dark Souls, I guess, biggest crutch if you're having difficulty, in which Dark Souls, you could just block attacks. Yes, it would deplete your stamina, but you could still be offered like pretty much guaranteed protection just by holding the left trigger or left bumper. In Bloodborne, there is no blocking. You either hit, uh, you get hit or dodge, you know? It's very kinetic. It's very fast-paced and reaction-based and if you mess up you get punished for it but it's fair because you know it's all based off of your reactions and how you respond to the enemy movements and stuff like that so that's why bloodborne's on my list i think over dark souls at least because they took away the block mechanic i found it more difficult than dark souls 
See, I think um, I, I I am not far enough into Bloodborne to agree or disagree, and it's the Souls like games are really hard to gauge because like your first one is always going to be the hardest one. Like you know, yeah. After playing, even though the mechanics are very different, like block wise, if you've played Dark Souls. Like Bloodborne is going to come easier to you than if it you will. It, it will, but I I do think that there's something to be said about them removing the block button. Yeah, oh, I, yeah I it, agree. In a vacuum, that makes Bloodborne harder than Dark Souls. But I can't imagine mo- many people, you know, uh, yeah, play you Bloodborne see, before Dark Souls. Yeah, but I I also think, in my opinion, Dark Souls One is the hardest of the Souls trilogy. Of the trilogy, yeah, I'd, I'd probably Yeah, agree. I think Dark Souls 2 is a pushover, and then Dark Souls 3 was kind of close to Dark Souls 1, but it had a little bit of stuff in there that made it a touch easier. Yeah. Some of the bosses were harder, but, like, overall, I think Dark Souls 1 was way harder than 3. Yeah. Just my, I, just I, my I, two I, cents. I agree. I haven't right. finished Bloodborne, so I can't, I can't really say how hard it is yet. Well, yeah, where are you in Bloodborne, just by the way? Uh... I'm hitting a bunch of dead ends. I just killed the um, blood-starved beast, which was an optional boss, I think. Yeah, that one's pretty intense. Yeah, you see, I, th- I thought it was a pushover. I thought it was really easy. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was very really difficult. No, the only difficulty I've run into in Bloodborne so far is not knowing where to go, which is frustrating, but not like... It's not killing me. You know, I'm just frustrated with it. Yeah, Mike. So I'm going to go off the wall... And the the these are in no particular order because I can't order things worth it. But um, Natural Selection Two was probably one of the more difficult competitive games I've played. What 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 do you do in Natural Natural Selection Two? Well, where where the difficulty comes from is not in the Marine side, which is your standard shooter and it's very run of the mill, but playing on the Alien side, where all of a sudden you are locked in a first person view in the mouth of an alien. There's a lot of mechanical depth there. You have to learn how to bunny hop. You have to learn how to climb walls, how to not get disoriented, how to dodge bullets. That's only the starter class. <laughs> There's more. You have to learn how to ambush, build. Uh, I think command. it's super interesting that you picked a competitive game. Yeah. Well, most of mine are going to be competitive games since that's a lot of what I play. Yeah. I was going to say that's really interesting because like, I feel like competitive games – they're difficult for a wholly separate reason, you know, because you you're actually obviously competing against other people and learning the meta and evolving and changing how you play the game the more you play it. Yeah. Like yeah. to this day, everyone in the Natural Selection 2 community says you are completely new to the game until you hit your first 100 hours. Wow. That's the barrier to entry. That is a tall barrier. Because the alien side is five or six unique classes that all play completely different from one another. <laughs> well, the marine side is just your standard FPS with flamethrowers and rifles. The And then there's the commander who literally sits there and tells the, tells the sides what to do because it's an RTS hybrid. <laughs> Sounds pretty complex. Connor, what's, your, what's the next game on your list? Uh... <laughs> It's funny, you uh, mentioned uh, Hollow Knight earlier. Uh, Ordinarily, Hollow Knight, like, the base game, would not make my list. Uh, Even including the Path of Pain, I don't think. But the combination of the Path of Pain and uh, the Pantheon of the Gods, or the Pantheon of Hollow Nest, I forget which one it is, where you have to fight... The Bosch Rush? Yeah, every single boss in the game, plus two new ones that you've never seen before, all in a row without dying. Yeah, that's absolutely brutal. I, I have I, not beaten it yet, but I... I, I don't even think I want yet. to attempt this. It's very, it sounds very painful. hard. Yeah. And I would consider myself a masochist for how I play, like you know, like Souls games and stuff like that, but even I would not go that far. <laughs> the best part is they locked an ending behind it. They locked two endings behind it, actually. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, especially... Yeah, I, I, I really agree with you. I would even go as far as to say that Path of Pain makes Hollow Knight, if you include that with the whole package, and it ups the difficulty significantly. Yeah, and I, I really like how Hollow Knight does difficulty. Because um, you really get to choose your own. Like, 
if you're having trouble with the combat, you can use charms that make that easier, but, like, you might lose the marker that shows you where you are on the map. Like, I, I love that kind of, yeah. co- like, customization that they give you, and they, they make it all, like, make sense in the world, too. So it doesn't feel like a difficulty selection. But it's not just the, the Pantheon of Hallownest, either. Like, the um, the Grim Troop, Nightmare King Grim. Oh, yeah. That was... Ruta took me all weekend to beat. That was very difficult. Yeah, Hollow Knight as a whole is not, you know, it's not an easy game, but it's difficulty no. spikes are some of the hardest spikes I've seen in gaming. No, I, yeah, some of the optional bosses and stuff are just absurd. Yeah. I uh, I love it, though. I can't wait for Silk Song. I can't wait to throw myself back into that meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, same. All right. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go next. Uh, okay, so the next game on my top five list is Uncharted Drake's Fortune on Crushing Difficulty. So I don't know if you guys have ever played the Uncharted games on Crushing, but they are pretty brutal. Uh, you just die in a couple of shots, and especially Uncharted 1 when the shooting was janky and the enemies were just... Uncharted 1 was essentially just facing wave after wave of enemies. Yeah. And on, and- on Crushing Difficulty, that really kind of broke my brain. Uh, it was very, very frustrating doing this on Crushing, but I, and it, granted, this was several, several years ago, so I might be misremembering the difficulty, but I remember distinctly how frustrated I was trying to get through that game on Crushing. Yeah, I have, a, I have like, some beef with, the using that one, though, kind of, like, because, like, when you have a difficulty selector, to me, like, like, our previous selections and stuff, those are hard games. But I feel like like Crushing and Uncharted is just stupid hard. Like, it's difficulty for the sake of it, and it's not fun for me anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't fun. I just did it to get the Platinum Trophy. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it, it was brutal. And, yeah, I have one other game on here that uses uh, that uh, uh, difficulty selection. Yeah. And I think... You're right. I, I definitely... I definitely sort of prefer the games that have the difficulty baked in inherently to the design, but there is something to be said about like how hard can we make this one thing, whether it's fair or not. Yeah. I guess that's yeah, kind of is. what I'm exploring. And it's weird, right? Cause like, I don't know. I, that, that's a whole nother topic is difficulty selection in games. Cause like, pretty I sure never... we actually did that way back. Oh, really? Cause I never play hard in, in games. I'm, I'm a normal kind of guy. Like a, like, a game being really hard is attractive to me, but if I have a difficulty selector, I'm never going to choose the hardest option. I just never do. Most of the times, I would agree. Uh, I almost always pick normal, but, like, in the rare cases where, the, like, the developer comes out and says, hey, hard is the intended difficulty mode. Like, they did that for God of War, the PlayStation 4 game. They came out and said, hey, the the intended mode the developers want is hard, but, you know, the game starts out default on normal. You have to change it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think in that case, I, I would do the same thing. I would yeah, play hard. The o- only other game I can think of in recent memory that I started on hard intentionally was Jedi Fallen Order. But I think that was because I wanted that game to be more Souls-like in its difficulty. And yeah. I started it that way, and I definitely don't regret that. That made that game way more uh, rewarding to play to me. I still need to check that out. Yeah, it's it's if you like Star Wars and like Souls-like... It's a it's a great game. But anyways, okay, Mike, what's your second selection? So my second selection is not a competitive game this time. I'm saving those for later. Uh, Into the Breach. I actually okay, yeah. felt a lot really challenged by that tile-based strategy that it kind of threw at me. There was so much thinking to actually beat a game. Just beat one run. And so many failed attempts that it was actually really satisfying to finally win. And I still haven't won, like, a three-star run-through, which means I haven't cleared all the islands in one playthrough, which is unfortunate, but... So Into the Breach is, um... It's a strategy game. It's it's a strategy uh, game. But isn't it, um, like, procedurally generated or roguelike? Procedurally generated, roguelike, and you can... When you restart a run, you can take one pilot from your previous run forward into your next run. Meaning I've had a pilot who's been there since the beginning who I've just kept rolling through and miraculously they haven't died yet which is astounding because usually they just die (laughs) it's very easy for things to die 
Yeah, uh, you actually talked about Into the Breach as uh, the game you were playing one time in the past, and I yeah. uh, it, it encouraged me. I have it. I haven't played it yet. but uh, Yeah, I've been meaning to play that one for a long time. I have trouble getting into strategy games, if I'm being honest. It's, uh, I have to really be in a mood for it. It's very much like um, FGL in its nature. Yeah, right? it's made by the same guys, right? Yeah. And it has uh, Ben Prunty doing music, so it's very, very similar. So would you say Into the Breach is more difficult than FTL? Uh, no, FTL is still really difficult. Into the Breach, you have a lot more options, and it's less punishing via RNG. And you also have time to think in Into the Breach, yeah. right? Like yeah, you have FTL. a lot of time to think. Or you can pause time in FTL, can't you? Yes. You, to... Like, Into the Breach, you have to go through and carefully think out your move. Because if you make a move, the move's made. You have one rewind to rewind a move. So if you're not thinking, you're going to have a, a rough time. And yeah. There's, like, variable levels of success in Into yeah. the Breach, aren't there? Like, like you, you don't have to save all the buildings, right? Yeah. You don't have to save all the buildings, but it's recommended because you'll have a better time on that island. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I have played Into the Breach. I just realized I got it on Switch a while back. So this is the one with, like, the aliens, right? Yes. Like, the alien building. Yeah, what do you stuff. think we were talking about? Yeah, for some reason, I, I don't know. Yeah, I Hopefully just had a brain fart breach, there. That game was terrible. Right, but no, Into the Breach, yeah, I definitely echo your statements. It's it's very difficult. I played, I played it for a good few hours, and I don't, yeah, didn't make it too far each time, but. It's definitely a game where you learn with each loss. Yeah, it's... I, I had a lot of fun with it, and completing my first run was super satisfying. But, God, it was difficult. Yeah, and, and a big theme of that game is, like, sacrifices, right? You have to, like, yeah. take, make calculations to, like, okay, either way, I'm going to take a hit in my resources. Which one is worth more to me right now? No, what, what squad I used was the Zenith Guard who were really good at displacing and moving aliens around and then using the, what is it, the chain whip attack. No, it wasn't Zenith Guards, Blitzkrieg. The Blitzkrieg has a chain whip attack that one of the mechs carries that chains between enemies, and the other two tanks all work to synergize with that by moving enemies around into lines. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So... I really, yeah, that's another p- part of the game I really enjoyed, the sort of, like, positioning aspect of it. My entire run was pushing this alien over here. Oh, it's going to attack this building? Let me dislocate it over to here. Or it's about to attack me? Let me move it one tile to the side. Yeah. Or let me make it swim. Things like that. Or even even going with the sacrifice and using my grapple tank, which had a lot of health, as the start for a chain whip chain. <laughs> Like, I attack the tank, so it changed to the aliens. Yeah. Yeah, all sorts of creative solutions in that game. Yeah. All right. Uh, Connor, you want to go next? Uh, yeah. Um, my next pick's another weird one, kind of. Uh, Dwarf Fortress. Ooh, nice. Ooh, and Dwar- I going to throw that up there somewhere. Yeah, Dwarf Fortress is a weird pick, though, Mike. I'm sure you'll agree with me, because a lot of the difficulty <laughs> isn't fun. Like, uh... Like, learning the menus and stuff, it has a really steep learning curve. Oh, yeah, the learning curve's entirely menus. Like, there's no learning curve of the game itself. Once you understand the mechanics, you understand the mechanics. It's the menus. But also The menus just, are your worst enemy. Also, but just look, looking at it, right? It's not intuitive, yeah. like, what is what. Yeah. You know, they're, they're very, it's very minimalistic. But I, so that's it, not all the difficulty in the game, though. Like, I can look at it and tell what everything is now and everything. And, like, I can totally build a fort. And it'd be fine and survive indefinitely, but that's not what you're supposed to that's do. That's not fun. Yeah, what you're supposed to do is, like, dig deep and, like, unleash monsters and stuff. Like, and that, like, that's still crushingly difficult. And, like, the littlest thing can go wrong and spiral your fort out of control. And Yeah. And there's also, a, like, a roguelike element to this game as well, right? Right, yeah, the worlds are all procedurally generated. Um yep. They all have your their own history, too. Yeah, your fortress is getting destroyed. They're gone. You can't really do anything about it. Um, 
There's also a mode you can play where you play as an individual character, and it's kind of like a literal roguelike where you're walking around this world as an individual and uh, just yeah. going on adventure. It's called adventurer mode, and that is way harder than fortress mode in my opinion. Yeah. Like it's it's crushingly difficult because they really do. You're just like every other character, pretty much. Like you can choose to have higher stats at the beginning, but even that's really not enough to save you if you're gonna go fight monsters or whatever. The weird thing about Dwarf Fortress as well is that it's very, very easily modifiable. Oh yeah. Like a two a five year old could pick up a mod Dwarf Fortress. It's very intuitive with how its raws are set up and how everything's modifiable. Like, for fun, I basically turned an entire race of elves into livestock just for the meme of it. <laughs> like, that was that was a trip and a half. Yeah. I've done yeah, crazy Dwarf Fortress things. Is super, it's super fun for, like, the crazy stuff you can do in it, the projects you can build and stuff. But you, it takes a lot of imagination, and the learning curve is super yeah. steep. Yeah. But a Dwarf Fortress... Dwarf Fortress would probably be the hardest game I've ever played if I had to pick one. Oh yeah, it's it's up there for me as well. Yeah. Would you would uh, the classifier a Minecraft for masochists be accurate? Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe. I I don't love the Minecraft comparisons. Yeah, I wouldn't compare it to Minecraft because it's I not could... really the the creative side doesn't really do anything for me in Door Fortress. It's much more about the survival. Survival. Side. Yeah. It's Sim yeah, City for right masochists, here. really. Yeah, I would I would say that <laughs> it's definitely more nice. SimCity yeah. than it like, is. Uh, it's an entire game where the main premise, the main goal, is to lose in the most spectacular and fun way possible. Yeah, your your goal really is to have a new story to tell on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, really, your goal is to go to work the next day and be like, so guess how my fortress died? Oh, mm-hmm. I accidentally flooded the entire thing with lava while trying to kill a single dwarf. <laughs> Yeah. So it's interesting because like you can't really beat Dwarf Fortress, right? You can only like prolong your in- inevitable demise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, you could theoretically prolong it forever. I mean, eventually, because eventually, some people would consider it a win state. It's called FPS death. It's yeah, when you have there. too many people or too many AI entities in your yeah. fortress, and your frame rate drops so low that it's unplayable. <laughs> and I guess you could technically consider that a win state because you're yeah. never going to lose at that point. But just uh, rewinding really quick, at, um, Into the Breach has a win state, right, Mike? Yes, it does. Okay, I just never was good enough to get there. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I think Dwarf Fortress, Fortress is the only game we've talked about that doesn't yeah, have a win state yeah. so far. And like, it's always interesting stories, like the story where me and a community fort, and all of us in the thread discussed creating a race of super soldiers via exposing them to a mutagenic gas in a gas chamber. <laughs> like Yeah, and Dwarf Fortress just keeps getting more complicated. <laughs> yeah. Like they're adding magic to it soon. Oh, I wasn't aware that it was still being updated. Oh, oh no, my god, he's... yeah. No. Toady's never gonna stop to- updating Dwarf Toady's Fortress. Toady's gonna Toady is not gonna stop until he's dead. Or yeah. he's completed the simulation of a world. So yeah, that's whichever likely. one comes first. So just wild thought, right? Like you said, the the win state is kind of like, hey, I've succeeded so much. There are so many entities happening in my game right now that my computer can't handle it anymore, basically, right? It, it's one of those situations where you pick your win state, really, uh, much yeah. like Minecraft. Well, I was yeah. gonna say, like, what if you like start up Dwarf Fortress on like a massive server, like like on AWS or something, <laughs> like just pay for like a really beefy ec2 instance and just have it on the cloud and just keep expanding as much as you can i don't know what the upper limits of door fortress would be there yeah uh i think it has a hard cap that's a soft cap that's adjustable of about 100 dwarves you can raise that as much as you want i keep mine capped at about 110 because generally what causes door fortress's fps death is not the dwarves it's cats. But the animals, yeah, the cats are the animals that won't stop reproducing. Like, yeah, that used cats. to be a major problem. Yeah. That's funny. No, there's a whole thing called the cat explosion where you yeah. have two cats, and then, like, an hour later, you'd have a hundred, and your FPS would just start dying. Yeah, and the cats are good to have around because they kill small rodents and stuff, but you don't want them reproducing. I don't believe you can uh, neuter or spay them. You can. They actually added yeah. the ability to, like, neuter and spay. Okay, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, but, that's, that's the other side of Dwarf Fortress is how deep that simulation goes. Yeah, no, it's... Like, I there mean, are it, vampires who will go into your fort undercover, attack other dwarves. You won't realize this. Oh, you'll realize it, but the dwarves won't realize that there's a vampire. And so they'll gradually start fighting amongst each other. And the simulation just, runs deep enough, like, you can have your blood boil inside your body in Dwarf yeah. Fortress. Like, it's... It's just wild to me hearing about this game without having actually played it. Because every time I hear about it, like, it just changes my perception of what it actually is. Like, yeah, It's much less a game these days than far more, like, a simulation. It really is. Yeah. Like, Toadie clearly is playing God at this point. He wants to... He, he doesn't just want to create a world. He wants to create a tool that will build every world. <laughs> That's very cool. Like, they're adding origin stories soon. So, like... The magic in your world, the rules of it, stem from the procedurally generated origin story. Wow. So, like, your world really could be cool. a bunch of floating islands. Your world could be, like, normal. Your world could be round. Your world could be flat. Like, it's super. It's wild. Yeah. Your world could exist inside the mind of a god or something, and everybody knows that, potentially. Like... That just blew... Like, that's got to be a lot of work, right? You're creating, like, all sorts, like, different mechanics for each of those eventualities. See, what's really funny is Toadie has talked about that, but in the same sentence talked about how difficult it was to get boats to work. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just think that's really funny. And the fact that one man has developed this entire thing... Oh, yeah. That's insane. ...is more impressive. And it's free, right? Like, he's yeah, not making any money free. on this? He's making money through donations because the community is very generous. And, and they're releasing okay. a version on Steam soon, but the free version's yeah. not going away. Wow. The Steam version is supposed to have a better UI and actually have like a tile set built into it so you're not looking at ASCII the whole time. <laughs> but I maybe like then ASCII. maybe then a casual like me can get sucked into it. Yeah, I'll definitely stick with ASCII myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I've You can't unlearn it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. T means tree, and that's not going anywhere. Sometimes. T might not mean tree. T yeah, might it mean titan. Mean, yeah, it might mean titan. If it's moving, it's not a tree. <laughs> yeah, if the trees are moving, you better be worried. <laughs> okay. It usually means kobold, but sometimes not. All right. Moving on. Uh, my next game is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. So another From game. And this one is drastically different from every other game from Made in that it takes away all of the, you know, weapon customizability and all the different systems like magic and stuff and really sort of hones in and dives deep into one mechanic. Uh, you only have a sword in that game. And the entire game was built around, I think they said the entire game was designed around the idea of two samurai clashing swords. So that is the main premise of the game. So the co the combat is completely constructed around elaborate samurai sword fighting, um, and it's all about the dodges and parrying in this game. Um, and I think it is more difficult than Bloodborne because the the combat in this game is absolutely brutal. Like if you if your reaction time is even like a fourth of the second off. You know, you're going to get hit with that attack that you would have parried otherwise and just get cut to death. And I've I've experienced like a weird sort of Zen state with this game sometimes when I play it, where if I'm really into it, I just somehow enter this trance where I'm like parrying everything and just reacting perfectly the way I need to. And it's almost <laughs> it's like. And this game, like, I'm not saying, like, I'm special for doing that. I think this game, like, teaches you to enter that state. And I think it it, it, it teaches you to almost play it in, instinctually, which I think is really impressive. And um, I definitely want to say, too, that the last boss in that game is probably the most difficult last boss of any video game I've fought. Like, it is... A very, it, it is a comprehensive test of everything that game has taught you. And uh, when you beat it, you can truly say you've mastered uh, the combat in Sekiro. That's funny, because From never likes to put the most difficult boss last. 
Like Oh, they they totally did for Sekiro. That's so out of character for them. That's interesting. Yeah. So what's funny is like the last boss I mean, I'm not really going to spoil anything. I'm going to speak in vague terms in case you guys want to play it. But, like, the last boss starts out with you fighting one of the previous bosses first. And here's the thing. That boss, when you fought him at that point in the game, was extremely tough. But at this point, he's literally just the prelude to the final boss. So you quickly dismantle him. And then you actually get to fight the final boss. And, yeah, the final boss is a sheer test of will it has like three phases and it tests it it tests your pairing timing and your dodging skill and it just really pushes you to the brink as a player and i i really respect from for designing such an incredible boss fight and of course sekiro has the trademark you know uh from software level design as well which i really enjoy um except it has more verticality to it now because you have a grappling hook so not only is the horizontal world design labyrinthine, the vertical world design is as well. And uh, I think the world design in in concert with the unique and deep combat, combat system that From made makes Sekiro uh, one of the most incredible games they've ever made. Yeah, I'm really excited to play it because um, it looks way harder than Souls games to me and way harder than Bloodborne even. Yeah, the, uh, the if combat I, just seems I, I, so I would much... rank it probably the hardest game from has made. Yeah, and I'm is that including Mech Warrior? I've not played Mech Warrior. They're good games, but um, is it Mech Warrior that they made? No, they made Armored Core. Armored Core is what I'm thinking of. Those are good games. I, I knew I'd played the one from Soft had made. I just couldn't remember which was what the title was. They also Uh-oh. made the Adventure of Cookie and Cream. Yeah, that's fine. Cookie um, and cream. Yeah, I really want to play Sekiro. I watched one of my friends. I think I've actually seen the final boss, uh, which kind of sucks. I don't like spoilers very much, but it's terrifying. And like, I I've played Souls games, and like, you know, that's like breathing air to me now. But like, watching Sekiro, like, I just didn't really. It just like. It seems impossible when you watch it. But, yeah. like, uh, you know, it sounds corny, but, like, you really, the more you play it, the more it teaches you, the more you enter that trans-like state. Yeah. Where it you looks just, like, you, like you have to mentally go into bullet time to play that game. It, like, it really is. Like, you enter, like, especially for that last boss, if your focus slips for even a second, you're finished. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think I, I have a recording of me playing that last boss. And it's just super intense. Like even watching it, I, I, you know, clench my fists. And like, I, I recorded the audio off that too because I was in like a PlayStation party or something. And I just straight up yell at the top of my lungs, like when I <laughs> when I beat him. And like I wasn't planning it or anything. It was like a guttural reaction. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, that's a special moment. Not a lot of games can give you that. All right, Mike. Oh, we're on number three, aren't we? All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> number three, Ooh, this is a hard one. Three out of five. I'd have to say, honestly, Devil Daggers was really hard. <laughs> if you haven't played it. Can you give like a little synopsis? So Devil Daggers is very simplistic for an indie game. You have one platform, you have two attacks, and your goal is basically to survive and the game starts throwing just enemy after enemy after enemy and at you and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and eventually your entire screen is full of enemies so you the idea is you only have like a small space in which to maneuver yeah and you have to like dodge and kill your way to to victory is there even a win state there's not a win state there's just how long you can survive it's how long you can survive yeah so i think the win state is the single achievement, which is Devil Dagger, which I believe, which only 0.1% of players have. Out of all the people who play, only 0.1 have survived long enough to get the Devil Dagger achievement. And what do you have to do to get it? Uh, I think it's 500 seconds. Wow. Yeah. So five, that's not that's five a terribly minutes. long time. Yeah, that's, it doesn't sound wild. like it's bad. It might be 120, though. I don't know. Hold on. Let me actually Google it. 
500 seconds is not five minutes. 300 seconds is five minutes. Yeah. So it'd be considerably more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hold on. I'm looking up the achievement. It's close to like eight minutes, I think. As it, In 2016, only one person unlocked it. Wow. Yeah, it's 500 seconds. Okay, so that's a little over eight minutes, right? Yeah. A little over eight minutes, you have to survive. Wow. That's it. And only one person had done it in 2016? Yeah. When did the game come out? The game came out, I think, 2016. I Still 0.1% have gotten it. Yeah, that's not very many. I'm literally going to launch it and check the leaderboards. (laughs) i got to install it first. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's 500 megabytes. I don't think I can do that. (laughs) Unrelated, but... But uh, apparently data caps are going away during this coronavirus thing. At least Comcast yeah, it's almost as if that. they're nonsense. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's almost, almost as like if they're stupid. completely arbitrary and don't need to be there. Don't even get me started. Yeah, I think like the 500 is the community benchmark. Like people have gone a thousand now, but watching a run through of Devil Daggers up to a thousand. It's nuts because it eventually it just starts becoming this sea of trippy enemy visuals that just don't stop because yeah. and I God, I don't difficult. I can't even is there like a luck component involved too like no it's all the same spawns every time oh really wow yeah so that means like people just haven't gotten good enough that's crazy uh number one is only a thousand over just over a thousand seconds 1121 seconds Jeez. wow that's top time in the world my top time 27 seconds <laughs> it's an intense 27 seconds but <laughs> yeah yeah interesting Jeez. didn't even know this game existed that's awesome yeah i'd never heard of it yeah it is one of those games that's just obscure but incredibly difficult yeah all right connor what's your next game spelunky of course yeah i think most people have played spelunky it's a pretty big game but it is just i I mean i've never beat it and i've been playing it since like 2015 like another roguelike procedurally generated game yeah and and a lot of those spelunky the difficulty of spelunky is interesting because you can't memorize anything like you really just have to learn the mechanics, like, really, really deeply. And, uh, you know, there, there are runs. There's a secret ending in Spelunky that I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for people, but it's incredibly hard to get. And then there's a second secret ending called the um, Eggplant Run that's even harder. And, like, I, I just I can't even imagine doing an Eggplant Run. Like, it just blows my mind that people can do it. And it's just, you know, just playing Spelunky normally, like... I can consistently get to the ice mines, and I die in the ice mines usually. I've made it to the temple a, ha- a handful of times, mm-hmm. but I've no- I don't think I've ever cleared a floor in the temple. It's just so hard. Yeah, I've only lightly dabbled with Spelunky. I haven't really done a deep dive into it, but con- I consistently see that on people's lists for like some of the hardest games they've played. Sorry, there was a bug in my apartment. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's super, I don't know, Derek Yu is, like, I, like I read his book, he's kind of a hero of mine. I love Spelunky. Can't yeah. get enough of it. Yeah, I don't know what else I could say about the difficulty in it. It's a tight, you know, it, uh, it was between that and Castlevania on this list, because they mm-hmm. kind of meet the same need for me, but Castlevania gets easy once you know it. Right, and Spelunky, Spelunky, you, you, you can't, can't know it. know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I can fly through Castlevania like it's breathing air now. It's super easy. But yeah. uh, Spelunky, I, I die in the mines, the very first area. I die there all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? You just slip up and stuff happens. Yeah. That's, like, the case on a lot of these difficult games. It's kind of contrary... I'm going on a tangent here. It's kind of contrary to the old days of difficulty where the game conspired against you. Now it's you conspiring against yourself and making these slip-ups. And I also think like the the randomized element definitely has a role to play here. Yeah. 
because uh, like there's no familiarity you know you die and like you start in a new world like you're gonna have to learn that world uh, yeah so you always keeps it uh, keeps you on your toes yeah it's difficulty has gone from the game being unforgiving to you knowing that you screwed up and the game tried ever so slightly to make you succeed yeah that's that's a good point because like i always tell people who are intimidated by the souls intimidated by the souls games that they're really not that difficult what they do is they teach you how to play them so well better than most games that's what they're really good at the dev wants you to succeed the dev doesn't want you not to succeed the dev wants you to succeed it's a question of will you stick long enough to succeed yeah yeah like you look at Celeste, Celeste actually has these small little like bits where it'll actually help a player out. Like I saw a whole article on it. Yeah, Celeste is an honorable mention for me. Yeah. That that was another yeah. one along with Castlevania. I really wanted Celeste on my list, but uh it just doesn't beat out the ones that are actually there. Mm. I need to actually play Celeste. <laughs> I think it's I really play. good. Yeah, I've played. I want to say like seventy five percent of it, and it's it's fantastic. If I if I had played like the B and C sides, Celeste would probably easily be on my list. But I just mm-hmm. don't. I don't actually know how hard those are because I didn't touch them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next game on my list is uh, another kind of weird one. Uh, Call of Duty World at War: The Campaign on Veteran. Okay. Really? So. So, I have played nearly every call of duty game and i always beat the campaign on veteran that's kind of like a t- tradition for me almost like every november i get the call of duty and play the campaign and play mm-hmm. like maybe one or two matches of multiplayer and then never play it again uh which is probably different from how 99 percent of the people who play call of duty consume call of duty yeah but that's beside the point so the World at War, which was the follow-up to Modern Warfare, which came out... So, like, it came out, what, like, 2010, maybe? Something like that? The campaign in this game was unfair. Like, it was straight-up unfair. Um, especially on veterans. So what happens is, like, you, you come across, like, a squad of enemies, and you kill all of them, right? Well, no, because they infinitely respawn until you move on to the next checkpoint. But you can't move on to the next checkpoint because they'll just shoot you to death. So you kind of have to just run to the next checkpoint and hope you don't get shot. And then hope the game saves before you get shot so you've made incremental progress. And not only that, like if you stay in one spot for longer than like five seconds, you get pelted by like 60 grenades. And That uh, doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it was one of the most frustrating gaming experiences I've ever had. And that's saying something, the fact that it's on this list, and I played it, like, what, like a decade ago at this point? And I still remember the pain I felt playing that game. By far the most difficult Call of Duty campaign. And easily one of the most difficult and frustrating experiences I've had playing a video game. It was so incredibly painful. But I did it. I beat, I beat it on Veteran. <laughs> I can say that. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I would not have. I would have given up. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, if I had that game today, absolutely no way I could beat it. But you know, ten years ago, yeah, I, you, you had I had nothing better. High to school do. time, or yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really, it really felt like luck that I beat it too. I remember distinctly in the last couple levels, I just had to make a break for it and hope I didn't get shot or blown up, and hope that the game saved a checkpoint. Like, over and over and over again. Jeez. It's making me mad just thinking about it. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> All right. Um, who goes next? Mike? Yep. Yeah, I'm next. So, this again, this is another weird one. Crusader Kings 2. Uh, yeah, I believe nice. that. It's not difficult mechanically, but, again, it has the door fortress problem where there's a whole lot of information thrown at you. And not enough time to, like, think it through. You need to really get into each menu to figure out what it does. I hear Honestly, it's, like, a lot, like... I hear it's, like, Civilization, but, like, way more in-depth and hardcore. Oh it's very God. hardcore. <laughs> I've seen videos of people literally making, instead of a family tree, a family, like, twig. <laughs> Just from, like, attempting to go as inclusive to their tree as possible. <laughs> like 
the game's nuts. It's so in depth, and they're actually working on a third iteration in the series after all these years because they realize they can't really get much out of the aging Crusader Kings game. That's huge. I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah, I mean the game came out in 2012, and oh, it's now free to play. That's crazy. Wow. Is it really? I thought. Yeah. Because I like considered buying it on steam multiple times the base game is now free to play but the dlc costs <laughs> a good bit so mike for someone who loves civ like me would i enjoy this game oh yeah no you would enjoy the entire paradox games crusader kings is the oldest one and so it has a lot of the problems but there's some essential DLC you need to buy. I checked their subreddit for the DLC you actually must have. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot you really don't need. Because every DLC changes the game drastically. So that mm-hmm. playing the game with no DLC is an entirely different experience than playing the game with DLC. Mm. Dang. Okay. Because Paradox is weird with their DLC strategy where they'll release... Uh, about $200 worth of DLC for everything, that's including unit portraits and everything. But for wow. the actual DLCs, it's about $124 worth of DLC. That's still a lot to ask it's for DLC. It's a lot of DLC. But it's also eight years of DLC. Okay, I wasn't aware that the game had been yeah, out that long. Yeah, this game came out in 2012. Also, so it's Emma, this, eight years old. This may interest you, but I do believe there's a Game of Thrones mod. Uh, there is a Crusader that, Kings that, too. That, that interests me greatly. That, yeah. Yeah. I would like that very much. I've yeah, actually I've, I've actually things. modded like games of Civ to be more like Game of Thrones, and it just I mean it's kind of janky in Civ, but I don't think it's janky in Crusader Kings. I have heard really good things about the uh Crusader the modding King, scene for that game. Yeah. Yeah. Mods for Paradox games are generally not jank because the the game's set up really well for modding. Yeah. Like they give you a full toolkit to mod the game to your to your uh, tastes. Hmm. I'd give honorable mentions to all the rest of the Paradox games, but Crusader Kings kind of stands out because it's the oldest one, and therefore they really didn't figure it all out yet. Hence, all the DLC. Stellaris. Well, all of them have a lot of DLC. Like EU4 is gonna get a new DLC in like a couple months in Stellaris. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Has the TLC coming out tomorrow. EU4 was the game I was thinking of all this time when you were talking about Cru- Crusader Kings. Okay, that's the game I heard that was like Civ, but on steroids. Oh, yeah, yeah. EU4 is a fun one. I'm probably going to end up playing it after this podcast. <laughs> I could just start playing it now. But it's very difficult. All of them are very difficult, except maybe Stellaris. Stellaris is very accessible. And they all connect to one another, generally. Hmm, I don't know. How, how's Stellaris yeah. connect to Crusader Kings? Uh, you can transfer your saves. So there's something called the Mega Campaign where you start in Crusader Kings, you go to EU4 by transferring your save, you do this black magic to transport it, transport your save to Victoria 2, which is older than Crusader Kings, so or about the same age as Crusader Kings, but didn't really get any development. And then you transfer from Victoria 2 to Hearts of Iron 4, and then Hearts of Iron 4 kind of fandangle it to Stellaris. That is buck wild. That's over a thousand years of game. In game time. That's wild, yeah. That's just insane. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. But I've seen people do it. Wow. And it's kind of cool to nurture a civilization from a little duchy in England to owning the entire world and owning like owning the entire galaxy yeah i mean you won't own the entire galaxy stellaris is very very kind of expansion afraid because you don't want to expand too fast and you don't want to expand too slow and there's still a cold one on our podcast it's a coke don't worry no, I have this. Uh, <laughs> I have this uh, case of van- cherry vanilla Coke, or not cherry vanilla, orange vanilla Coke, just lying next to me, and I was kind of thirsty. Not gonna lie, that sounds kind of nasty, but oh, it's actually really good. I say <laughs> as it hurts me as I drink it. No, I enjoy it. 
It's like an orange cream sickle, but a Coca-Cola. Okay. Anyways. I'll, I'll wrap yeah. up my list now. Uh, number <laughs> five for me. I got to go classic Mega Man. And really, at its core, Mega Man 1. Specifically your first playthrough, because these are games yeah. you can learn, and learn learning them makes them much easier. But I, to this day, have never beat Mega Man 1 without save states. I, uh, It's just ridiculously hard. Like, have you guys played them? No, I haven't, but I'm aware of the difficulty. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're super fun, but like, I, I remember, as, and it's all the classic Mega Man games, except two, in my opinion. I, well, all the NES ones. I haven't played the ones after NES. But uh, I just... Yeah, I, I remember as a kid, I got Mega Man 9, which was a throwback that came out on the Wii. It was a throwback to the classic Mega Man games. Yeah. And, you know, you have these eight robot masters you can pick from to fight first. And I I thought something was wrong. Like, I thought the game was broken because I literally couldn't get past the first room in any level. Like, I was a kid bear in mind but like i couldn't do it and you know since then i mega man 2 is stupid easy it's not it doesn't really fit this category but like mega man 1 i've beaten i'm most of the way through mega man 3 i've played mega man x i live for those games they're super fun but god they're hard yeah and i you know later on they get kind of stupid with their difficulty like giving you a limited number of continues and stuff but like the core mega man games i'm talking about mega man 1 through 6 Super fair, unlimited continues, like, they want you to succeed, but they're not just going to let you do it, you know? Yeah. And the levels are way harder than the bosses for the most part, because a lot of the bosses, if you have their weakness, you can, like, fly right through them. And, like, you can cheese the Yellow Devil, and I think the the Yellow Devil's in quite a few old Mega Man games. But, uh, yeah. And, and I think even even usually the final boss has a weakness. Like, they don't... They don't... They give you the tools to make it a little easier on yourself. But, like, you know, there are people who do Buster-only runs and stuff, and I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like, getting that first Robot Master is always the hardest part of a Mega Man game for me. Once I've done that, the rest is a lot smoother. But that, that, Right. Uh, it all, it all snowballs. Shooter. It all snowballs yeah. from there, right? Because you get the first... You get the next boss's weekend, then you get... Oh, you get the next boss's weakness, and then the following yeah. boss's weakness, and etc. Although, that is assuming you can figure out what they're weak against. I like to not look it up, but... Yeah. Not everybody but, is a but mask. Isn't it, like... Can't. Doesn't it sort of make sense, you know? Like, the, the boss's Usually. weaknesses? Usually, but for some reason in Mega Man 2, Metal Man has the best weapon in the game. He's an easy boss... And I think four other robot masters are weak to the um, the metal saw that you can throw. Mm, okay. And that's kind of they they kind of lost the plot with that one. Like I Mega Man Two is probably my favorite, but if I was gonna make a change to it, I would make it a little harder. Probably like the metal saw needed nerfed. It has a ton of ammo, and you can use it constantly. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't always make sense like the weaknesses they try to but sometimes they're kind of it takes some some out there thinking to figure it out gotcha okay like what what would you assume quick man is weak against you know like that one's uh, not a name <laughs> like, yeah what, what is he weak against i want to say crash man but i'm not sure i don't know off the top of my head like that that's just it like looking hmm. at that at that list of robot masters i do not know <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I usually save the ones I'm not sure about until last so, so that I can just shoot them with every gun and see which one works. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, not much to say. It's super tight platforming. It's super, super challenging. And uh, I think I saved it for last because it's probably... It might be my favorite super difficult game to play. I love Mega Man. Yeah, and I know like Mega Man's one of those games where like people... People learn that game like the back of their hands. Um, oh yeah, no. And like, make it can look, watch... they can make it look easy, but it definitely. Like, Aaron Hansen from Game Grumps is like famous for being terrible at games, but he can he loves Mega Man and he just flies through them, and it's really weird to watch. Yeah, no people that there's people that are famous for being terrible at games, but when there's a game that you just know, yeah, like, like... I know Planet Side really well but I'm terrible at some other games or battlefield. And I just fly through those games because yeah, with me, it's Sonic adventure too. Like, and 
Castlevania. Super good at it. Slime Adventure 2 is not a super hard game, but I can, like, get, get straight A's and everything really quick if people oh, ask I me Oh, I got, to. like, straight S's in Sonic Generations. Yeah. Uh, honestly, a recent example of Mike, like, the thing you were talking about getting really familiar, like, Sekiro would be that for me, because I think I eventually came to, like, New Game Plus, 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 Plus. Wow. I just beat that game. Like, I got to the point where I beat that game within, like, an hour, hour and a half each time. Um... An hour and a half? Yeah, like, I, I got to the point where I could beat that game pretty instantly. That's incredible. You see, I love games like that. I love I love a game that, like, is long the first time you play it, and is, like, a, a super satisfying experience. But then once you know what you're doing, it, it's yeah. almost like a movie, like, exactly. time-wise. Se- Sekiro is exactly that. Like, my That's first playthrough cool. took, like, what, like, 30-plus hours? And then, like, I was beating it in, like, two hours or less. Yeah, I love that, because, like, that's Super Mario Bros. 3 for me, like, you know, the first time I played through it, it was an all-day event, because, you know, it doesn't save, but, um, now I can beat it in, like, under 20 minutes. Yeah, really feels good, knowing that you've got that mastery. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good, and it's also nice, like, it's almost like, oh, you know, I, (laughs) you know, I got a little bit of time today, I want to beat a game start to finish, like, that feels cool. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously the next logical step after that is speedrunning, but I don't think any of us are good enough here, except Mike. Mike, Mike. Oh, yeah, I've, I've done some speedrunning. I'm trying to learn how to speedrun Hat in Time. It's actually a lot more difficult than uh, Mass Effect 3 was. Well, yeah, yeah I believe you can it. Imagine. Yeah. But There's a lot honestly, more room for error, I feel like. Some of the tricks are super easy, like the boop clip. You just kind of have to figure it out. And once you figure it out, it's fairly easy. Like, I had the game down patched and ready. I just need to, like, sit through the tutorial and run through it and get my first run through. You should talk about that more in the What Games Have Been Playing section, because I want to hear it about uh, I had in Time speedrunning. Oh, I don't have much to say about it. I tried to learn a clip that apparently I shouldn't have learned yet. Oh, okay. So I, get, I spent, so like, two hours get, trying to learn it. Get back to us in a few weeks, then, when, you, when you've got it down. Well, once yeah, you're the I world uh, record holder. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Hey, you did it for Mass Effect. Oh, I don't even have that world record anymore. Well, well, you had. Yeah, but that's the nature of speedrunning. Some some Russian guy beat it in twelve hours. <laughs> I don't even know who he was. He just popped out of nowhere, submitted the time, and then left our Discord. Wow. <laughs> like, and I don't feel like running it again. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how those things go. All right. So my final game is Neo. So, on the surface level, like, Neo is another Souls-like, but it is extremely different from the Souls games in a couple ways. One, it doesn't have, like, the world design that the Souls games have. It's it's very, uh, it's like Demon Souls in that it's, like, mission-based. Like, you select, a pl- like, an area to go to and p- play the level, and once you're done, that's the level, right? But the levels themselves have some decently good level design. Uh, they kind of, like, fold back into themselves. But not to the level, I would say, that Dark Souls does. But where Neo, I would argue, trumps Dark Souls um, is the combat. And the combat, the melee combat in Neo, is both brutally difficult and, I think, the most complex melee system I've seen in a video game. So just to break it down a little bit, there are several different, like, weapon archetypes, right? So, like, there's swords, dual swords, axes, and and Neo, for those who don't know, is, like, a Japanese samurai-based game. So all these weapons are, like, Japanese in in flavor. So you have, like, tonfas and, like, an odachi, which is, like, a really long, like, two-handed sword. And so that's just to name a few of them. And the more you use a weapon, the more you increase your familiarity with it, and the more skills you can learn for the weapon. So each, like, weapon archetype has its own, like, skill tree, and the more you use it, the more you unlock on the skill tree, which sort of makes sense, right? Because you're becoming more familiar with that weapon. You can use it in new ways. But, like, where the combat really kind of explodes in terms of complexity is that each weapon can be held in one of three stances, a high stance, a mid stance, and a low stance. And each of those stances has a different fighting style and different upgradable skills as well. And um, 
not only you have those stances, but um, the primary like energy system in this game is key. As you attack, you expand key. But the thing is, if you press the right bumper at the right time after an attack, you do what's called a key pulse, and you replenish a good part of your key. And a big part of the game is just sort of getting into the rhythm of like attacking and key pulsing at the right time as you face your opponents. And um, the combat itself, like the actual fighting itself, is very Souls-like, but I would argue is less janky than Souls combat. It's way more refined and um, way more reaction-based than Souls combat. I, I guess, like, in terms of style, it lands somewhere between Souls and Sekiro in terms of, like, how it looks. But make no mistake, like, in terms of how much is going on, Neo has, you know, Sekiro, Souls, all of those games beat. And just in terms of the things you need to think about and manage when you're fighting in that game. And Yeah, that sounds like a lot. It's 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 such a pleasure to play though. Like and the enemies so like I said it's like samurai based. The enemies are all based off of like Japanese folklore. So they're all like variations on Japanese demons and stuff. And um and like it I don't know, like the it is it is absolutely probably if I were to rank these games I'd probably put Neo number one honestly like really? it was I I actually never completed the game I played a good chunk of it but I I got sidetracked doing other things and I do hear the more you play the game it is possible to like outscale the game and just like get like all sorts of good loot and just keep leveling up until the game is trivial but if you play it the way it's supposed to it is an absolutely crushing challenge and uh, yeah i i really enjoy my time with it that's another one i haven't played yeah yours are a lot of soul slicks in yours huh yeah i know yeah like we all have different uh different difficult games we like to play which is yeah, really for neat, sure i think yeah that's kind of our dynamic on the podcast huh yeah i mean it could be yeah. boring if we all did the same thing but. yep all right, Mike, why don't you round us off? Rounded us off? Oh, right. This one's a competitive game. I would save the best for last. Dota 2. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw that coming. It. Yeah, it, it no. was either League or Dota. It had to uh, be. Hey, that was a hard one to figure out. I'd put Dota over League strictly because of active items and the fact that League, I don't have to press an entirely new set of keys to use my items most of the time. Yeah, and, and I, do hear that, I do hear that Dota is more difficult than League. But having only played League, I can't, you know. They're both fairly difficult. I want to say that League has a little bit more mechanical, like, weirdness to it than Dota does. Dota also has turn rates on the characters, which means everyone turns differently. So if you're not facing the right direction, there's a chance that you won't hit that character you're trying to hit. Uh huh. You could kill your own characters. It's. There's a lot of depth that League doesn't have there. Wait, you can team kill in Dota? Uh, There are a couple situations you can. Usually it's when they're on a damage over time that will kill them, guaranteed. That you can just attack, click on them, and they'll die. God, if people were toxic before. No, generally it's a good thing, because they the other team doesn't get the kill gold for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's beneficial to do. Unless the, you're hmm. 100% certain they will survive that dooming. Just kill them. <laughs> like just just put them out of their misery because they're gonna die from that tick anyway. That's interesting. But yeah, there's a character whose entire kit revolves around him suiciding. And it's very annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean like I don't know. We've we've talked about all sorts of different games on this show, but like when we, we when you talk about difficulty with Dota and League, I feel like that's just several levels above everything we've been yeah. talking about. Because like each character has that sort of depth to them, and it's a yeah. different depth. You know, like, each character has so much things to learn about them and, like, how to use them in different situations and stuff. Yeah. It's actually, like, hard to wrap your head around how much there actually is to I'm grasp in those use, games. Since I haven't played Dota in a long time, I'm going to use my main on League as kind of evidence because, sure, the basic mechanics are the same throughout all the games. You still have to last hit. You still have to, like, think... But, say, if you're playing Kai'Sa in League, you have to think about your positioning, you have to think about your little attack range to see if you're able to hit Q, 
you got to think about when to throw your W at things, when to run away, when to fight, when not to fight, when to farm. There's just so much like levels of thought that have to be going on at all times. Yeah, it's and it's awareness overwhelming. It's, it, yeah, that's why I yeah. can't play them. It's just too much. I've never been able to learn it. Like you have to look at your map. You have to be aware. You have to make sure you can see. Because vision's important. If you can't see something coming, then how are you gonna avoid it? It would yeah. be difficult. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you're a god like Faker and just can react to it. But I mean, even Faker can get ganked yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't have. He can react to it because he has vision in that bush. True. True. No. Once they're once they're in your lane, there's no help. If you dodge while they're still in the bush, then they can't really do much because they'll just walk in the lane, very sad. Like, just <laughs> most depressing walk in the lane. <laughs> You're just speaking but, another language to me right now. No, I, I, I at least I, I can understand what Mike's saying. But yeah, <laughs> it, it can be it can be daunting to the uninitiated because it really is like its own world. Yeah. I am you the uninitiated. To, yeah, you have to juggle your cooldown. There's so much just levels of depth in a MOBA. Even Should something be- like Smite, which... God, I can tear up Smite, but it's definitely not on the level of Dota or League. I was going to say, Connor, should we initiate you? Should that be one of the, the goals of the podcast? <laughs> we'll uh, initiate be, we could Smite. do an episode where we all get on and play a game of League of Legends. <laughs> I would be down for that, and that's just the podcast that day. Yeah, That'd be interesting. Yeah. I'd be willing to do that. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll put that on the docket. <laughs> Jesus. Mike uh, would have to coordinate things. He's obviously the most experienced one. Yeah. You're saying I just have two poor suckers who are stuck with, you know. Who's, I mean, I'm not. at least familiar with mechanics of the game. You know absolutely nothing. So yeah. The game that, will make you play the tutorial, so. Uh, yeah, I know that R is your ult, right? I think that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> like, the games are difficult, but... The difficult's more in iteration rather than just throwing impossible things at you. Actually, if it's all the same to you guys, I'd rather play Dota than League. Okay, then I, then both I, of I us would be fish out of waters. No, I I put I have over a thousand hours in Dota. No, no, no I'm saying Mike or uh, Connor and I because I've never played Dota. <laughs> so. No, oh, I'm real garbage at Dota though. I haven't played it in. Dota just looks better to me. Oh no, just, it is. It's, it's a very pretty game. And if I'm going to be sitting here fuming, I'd rather be looking at something pretty <laughs> while I do it. And you know what? I'll even I'll even up the ante. I'll play it on my Steam controller. I don't think that's You're allowed. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> You're an absolute barbarian. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. So that has been it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Connor and Mike, for joining me. Oh, my God. Me. What did I just launch? Oh, dear. <laughs> what did you do? I don't know what I did. Uh, there's a game running. I, I don't didn't mean to launch a game on on installing stuff for my Steam. All right. So ignoring all of that, <laughs> you can follow us at, at Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. You can join our Discord by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. Please like, rate, and review us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And apparently we're on Google Podcasts now too. I just found that out. Okay. Anyway, did you not know this? Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye, guys.